It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Well, welcome back to Beyond the Building. This is Debbie Kiever. I am here with Laura Pereno. And Laura, I cannot believe we are in September already. It has gone very quickly. Yes, I think we need to go back to June and enjoy <laughs> another summer. It really went so, so quickly. We are starting a new theme for the month, and it's we're calling it Hold On. Boy, we have a lineup of four amazing guest speakers. And, and I know, Laura, as we've been recording, uh, meeting all these special guests, it's been so exciting to hear God's phenomenal stories, the way he works in the details of different uh, people's lives. But today, as we're kicking off, we are bringing in our special guest, Laura Matera. So welcome, Laura. It's so good to have you here with us just to say hello. Uh, I'd like to introduce a little bit about who she is. Uh, she's not only a special guest, but she's a personal friend. Um, but let me tell you a little bit about what's in her bio, because it's quite exciting. I should use the word, it's rather adventurous and full of action. Uh, Laura, you work full-time with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, which we're going to be calling FCA uh, to save a lot of words on this podcast. You are in the role of S FCA's Surf Mid-Atlantic Director. You're focusing on action sports ministry. Uh, Laura, you have a heart to walk alongside volunteers and staffs and leaders in their calling to serve Christ. Uh, they are engaging in communities through the ministry of FCA uh, you have a background in social work and a master's in counseling, mm -hmm. but man, your deep joy comes in serving and connecting within your community, providing other people to do the same. Now, I happen to know you from Ocean City. I know you really enjoy your morning coffee. I've <laughs> had some morning coffee with you in person right down there in Ocean City, New Jersey. You love your time with Jesus. I know that you love a solid workout because you look very um, healthy and fit. And you, I know you love welcoming guests into your home and swimming in the sea. We need to clarify, it's not the beach. You swim at the shore because you are a shore person in New Jersey. So I just wanted to say welcome to you. Wow. And welcome. I'm excited to, to meet you here for the first time, Laura, and I'm excited to hear your story. And everything that Deb has just shared about you has sparked my interest. And I too love early morning coffee and time with Jesus and can't say that it has been a while since I have been swimming in a sea. But I would love to hear uh, more about your story, more about your family. Tell us about your kids and, and what your family looks mm -hmm. like. I have three adult daughters. Um, Louise is my youngest. She's 20. She attends Liberty University, majoring in fashion design. Kate is my middle daughter. She's a re recent graduate of Liberty University, and she has a heart for ministry and uh, media. And then Claire is my oldest at 24. Her and her new husband, Eli, live in Kansas City, Missouri, and they serve with the ministry of FCA there at the support center. Uh, we've gotten to meet, my husband and I have gotten to meet your girls and they're beautiful. I mean, I have not spent a lot of time with them, you know, besides just the little, you know, get togethers, but they're beautiful on the outside and the way you describe their hearts, they are equally as beautiful on the inside. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things we did um, was a little bit different, Laura Pereno, because we've got two Laras on here. <laughs> yes. um, we asked <laughs> you to do was if you had to come up with some hashtags to describe uh, how God has moved in your life or ministry, what hashtags would you come up? And, and we know that you're going to be sharing about why you came up with those different hashtags, but just start us off. What would be hashtags to describe your life? This is such a unique question, but I tell you what, those hashtags just came to my mind so quickly. So um, starting off, hashtag God wins, um, hashtag never a doubt. Hashtag Christ in the center, hashtag openness, and finally, hashtag joy. Well, I'm excited to hear about the, the rest of the story on this one. Now, I'd like to give a little background. Um, we have a home in Ocean City, New Jersey, as well as uh, this is where your ministry is, is mm -hmm. you know, centralized. 
we met you a couple falls ago. They had like a, I, what would you call it? Like a sidewalk fair or all the stores come out on the sidewalk. Yes, yes. And my husband and I are walking down the street and there is a sign that talks about surfing and there's a surfboard. And he grew up surfing in Ocean City. This is his favorite hobby of all times. And he looked at me and he said, I will be over there. It didn't matter what over there was. But that's where Laura Matero is standing with her FCA um, surf, you know, camps and information about it. So conversations strike up and we've had several meals later. Um, you know, we've had coffee and your story is fascinating. It's a, it's a story about truly having to hold on to your relationship with Christ because your story did not, uh, did not play it pan out as you had thought it would. And so as you begin to share uh, some themes that came up with it, that tell us what happened in your family. Um, I'm just excited because you, I never forget those first days of talking with you. Something was burning in my heart, listening mm -hmm. to you share, like truly burning in my spirit that man, God has so much he's doing in you and through you. Well, Laura, I am so honestly uh, excited to hear how the first hashtags that you have shared with us uh, play out in your story because I mean mm -hmm. never a doubt and Christ in the center even when you were just speaking those it was something inside of me was kind of rising up like mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah this is good stuff mm -hmm. and I think that as we have you know called this uh, you know hold on to the vision it could be hashtag hold on to the vision but mm -hmm. what do you think is a, a hashtag if you had to give your story like your whole story mm -hmm. what would what would a hashtag for that be? So I would say that first one that I mentioned, Laura, uh, hashtag God wins, because on any given day, I don't know how the rest of you women feel, but it, it can often feel like not only am I on the losing team, but mm. I'm actually a loser. Mm. <laughs> and so I'm um, reminding myself of that hashtag God wins um, and just pursuing a God that has already won. Amen. And um, that he gives us the victory. Um, and that that first Corinthians 1557 says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. And I love that because not only um, does God win, but he shares the victory with us and Amen. working through us to, to make that happen. And so I love that um, opportunity to share that with people continually. God Amen. wins. Amen. I love that too. I think I'm going to start using that one sometimes because <laughs> that is pretty powerful. And I love the passage that you said too. In fact, the way you were just saying it, it sounds like it might be uh, a life verse, you know, something mm -hmm. that you have really taken on as a life verse. And I think that's powerful. All right. So let's um, start digging into your story. I want to hear, you know, what God has given you to hold on to. I want to, I want to mm -hmm. hear what's going on in your life. So I grew up um, in a faith-based home. I grew up in church in New England. Um, I was one of two girls living in my parents' home. My mom was a nurse. My father was a doctor. And I always tell people that the most extraordinary thing about me is that I was completely and utterly ordinary. And mm. growing up, um, you know, in an extraordinary world as an ordinary person, that, that made me feel almost invisible. But there was something in me um, that was unbeknownst to others. I always felt that I was set apart. I always felt that I was different. Um, and I wasn't sure what that was until I began to grow into high school and then move off into college. And I began, began to cheer on the underdog. And I think because in part, I felt so much like an underdog myself when I was growing up. Um, I, I went to college, got a degree in social work, and then kind of moved out onto my own. And I worked with delinquent teenage boys, which was very unique for a young woman who had one sister. Um, and then I actually came to New Jersey at the age of 23, and I worked um, in a homeless shelter with homeless families. And I tell you what, that just was the best of me. Um, I, I felt like I was running in my gifting at that mm. time and still in a place of being invisible, but, um, you know, leaning into God and watching him work in the lives of others and allowing him to, um, allow me to give people opportunity was just 
uh, felt like a wonderful thing. So here I was in New Jersey at the age of 23, you know, in a place I never imagined. And it's funny, I think back on it now that I have um, children that age myself, and uh-huh. I'm, I'm constantly reminding them to come up with a plan, have a plan, follow God's plan. And I look back then and I really had no plan. We didn't have, <laughs> we didn't know what we were doing at that age. Just showing up every day and, uh, you know, stepping in to what God had for me one day at a time. But little could I ever imagine the life I'm living today and how I would mm. get there. Wow. So how did you meet your husband? So was he, is he from Ocean City or what's that story there? So um, very, very simple. Again, um, he was living in Ocean City, New Jersey, um, working in a family business. And uh, a few blocks down from me was a big church. And I was working in the inner city at the time. And I had a little apartment with no air conditioning. And one day the church puts up a big sign in the middle of the summer. And it says missions conference all week air conditioning. That's all I needed to know. I did not have air conditioning. They had air conditioning. I love the church. I grew up in church. So I showed up every night at this missions conference. For the air conditioning. (laughs) I sat in the air conditioning. And by the time I left, you know, it was cooler in my my little um, cottage in the evening. So, um, you know, and after a week of missions conferences, I thought, wow, this is a sweet church. I think I can see myself. Here, I think I'm going to settle in. And mm-hmm. a couple of weeks later, um, I met my husband. Um, I was single. He was single in a church that was more mature. And uh, there we were. Mm. <laughs> so you guys, what was Joe doing at the time in Ocean City? Mm. So Joe was um, in a building business with his brother. Um, he was actually a kitchen designer at the time. And um, we um, began to date. I was a um, social worker. He was working in his business. And on our second date, he mentioned that he might want to marry me. And wow, said, second date. Second date. And, wow. and of course, again, having children this age now, I'm yes. like, like thinking <laughs> back on it. I, I think if my child came to me and said, hey, I went on two dates, I want to get married, you know, I would be like, I don't think that's a good idea. But on our second date, he said, I, I really think I'd like to marry you. And I said, I really, I really think that that was a great idea. And so from that point on, we dated as if we were planning our lives together. Wow. And uh, wow. there we, there we were. So, um, <laughs> and two <laughs> years later, we were, we were married. Aww. You and Laura have a lot in common, Laura Matera. <laughs> we got, we got engaged after five weeks. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm yeah. kind of there with you. It wasn't the second right? date, but yeah, it's kind of right. nice. Actually, it's kind of nice to know that you are planning for the future early on. Yeah. I, I like that. That's a great yeah. part of the story. Uh, so you you guys are suddenly moving in this, into this relationship. Tell yes. us about how God started to streamline the two of you towards ministry. What, what was the next, you get married and what is yeah. happening from that point on? Well, I tell you, and I, I'm sure for many of your listeners who um, are thinking about marriage or have been married for quite some time, uh, of course, dating and marriage are very different. So so here we are suddenly married. Six months later, we're expecting a baby. I, I should mention he was 10, 10 years older than me. And so we got started. We got rolling with our lives. And, and again, um, you know, God's plan was unfolding, but we couldn't see past the day that we were in. And so I did know that Joe was a great man of passion. And one of his passions was surfing. And um, if you know a surfer, you know that their life rides on the waves, right? Literally. Um, uh, When the waves are up, I mean, that's the first thing on the list. That's Uh paramount. And, um, but he also had a passion for Jesus Christ. And so going to work every day in, um, you know, in a role and in a job that wasn't proclaiming Christ, I think was tough for him. And um, he wasn't really walking in his gifting. So, um, you know, some time passed, I'm expecting my second baby. And there was a little bit more to the story, but he came home on a Saturday morning and he said, I quit my job. I'm going into full-time ministry. Wow. Okay, so, then. <laughs> um, men, if you're listening to this podcast, that is not the way to go about it. But um, God did work. And, and I think at the time I knew, like God was speaking to me, um, lean in because you're headed in the right direction. 
Mm. Um, so at that time, we had signed on with a ministry called Christian Surfers United States. Um, at the time, they were based in California, and he was the first East Coast representative. Um, it was a very grassroots ministry and continues to be a very strong ministry here in, in the United States, ministering to surfers um, in the surf culture. But after four years, um, we were a growing family and needed a little less grassroots ministry, and we transitioned to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And so he was the first um, area representative here ministering to coaches and athletes in Cape May County, right here on the coast of New Jersey. So this wasn't a surfing piece of FCA. This was what no. traditional, what we think of FCA. Uh, for those who maybe are not as familiar with FCA, can you give a just a description in general? What uh, is FCA? Yes. Um, FCA, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, has been around for 67 years. And we reach out to every coach and every athlete and give them the opportunity to come into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. And uh, FCA is not church-based, it's community-based, it's school-based, it's uh, campus-based, camp-based. And so we are going right to where coaches and athletes are um, in their sports. But FCA is also traditionally a ball sports ministry. And their tagline is every coach, every athlete. But um, it, it's um, been traditionally basketball, football, volleyball, um, baseball, ball, um, ball, some ball. of the ball sports that you think <laughs> mm -hmm. of that, that have traditional coaches. So when we first came on staff with FCA, he was going to football games and he was going onto campuses and meeting with teams and coaches and summer came and he said, Laura, FCA does camps in the summer. He's like, I don't, I don't know how to do any sports. I don't, I don't know how to instruct <laughs> any sports. He's like all I know is surfing and skateboarding. So um, we convinced a local donor to buy us 10 boards. We took out the seats in our minivan. We put the boards in and we called up all of our friends, kids. And there we were, we did a camp. And so uh, that wow. was the very first year of FCA camp. Wow. <laughs> and their surfing was born and we quickly became FCA surf. And so here we were on the coast of New Jersey, FCA surf, but we were the only FCA surf in the country. Wow. Um, and so, um, I'd There's love so to much. say where it was born. Uh, I'd love to say <laughs> that's where the best waves are, but we all know that's not true. So, well, so. I tell you what, Debbie, there are actually more surfers on the East coast than there are, um, on the West coast. Right. And ocean city is iconic for learning how to surf. Yes. So our yes. Surf still exist today. And we're one of six surf camps in six miles. Wow. Um, I so, think that's amazing, Laura, because, uh, you know, something was born out of the fact that he was in a position to serve God. And that was the gift that God gave him. It didn't mm -hmm. fit in the box of the ministry that he was a part of, but he just knew that this was the call of God on his life. And then it just, there you go. So sometimes, you know, there's those open doors. We don't even know we're there. <laughs> yeah. Just get out there, do what you got with what God's given you. And he's going to really, you know, make it into something that you wouldn't, you know, mm -hmm. have ever imagined. It's pretty amazing. That's a great, great story. So FCA embraced then the surf component. Did it become officially then officially part of FCA? So it, it was officially part of FCA, but in all reality, um, Debbie and Laura, we were kind of um, like a bit of a, a side hustle. Okay. And um, so we were doing something so different and so out of the box. And um, however, Joe had an electric personality. And um, I can remember back in the day, my first FCA national conference. Uh, we fly out to Kansas City and we get all settled and we go to the first dinner and we go back to our hotel room that night. And I said, Joe, we're at a football conference. What are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> that was my impression of FCA that um, it was dominated with um, football. But oh my goodness, how we've used football to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ mm. and seen um, people come to him through football. And so Joe, I remember him saying, don't worry, people are going to come to Christ in the sport of surfing and in the sport Amen. of skateboarding. Amen. And so, I mean, we had a wonderful experience and uh, several years went by and he became the national director of board sports with FCA. Um, they were sports specific at the time. And so we joined FCA lacrosse. 
Uh, we joined FTA cheerleading, motocross, golf, and um, there were national directors for each one of these sports. And so we began to grow and thrive. Wow. So do you surf? Um, so uh, not a secret, but many people do not know that I do not surf. No, <laughs> no. And so, um, at, you know, during our early years of marriage, I was busy having babies and raising kids and coming uh -huh. alongside him again and doing all the things that needed to be done so that he could do, he could surf and do ministry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I think the, um, the, the story turns, it does a dramatic turn for you and mm -hmm. a hard turn. And so I just, whatever you want to share mm -hmm. about how God began to walk you down a journey that was not your first choice mm -hmm. um, in your family. Uh, so go ahead and, and share Laura, however you want to. Yeah. So here's the hashtag Christ in the center part. That's where this hashtag comes in. So in 2010, we had just completed um, a glorious summer a season of surf ministry. Uh, our girls were, you know, right in the middle of life, 12, uh, 9, 12, and 14 at the time. And I began to feel in my heart, I was coming alongside him and serving with him. And I began to feel a stirring of the Holy Spirit that he was going to be doing something special in our lives. And Joe began to feel that same thing that God had something new for us. And I remember sitting down in our living room and sharing this with each other. We both had this feeling. And so we were getting ready. We were anticipating, you know, perhaps we were going to move to Hawaii, right? Or perhaps we were going to be doing something new and I'm, we were sure it was going to be big and exciting, um, you know, in our minds and in the way we thought, because we felt really, really strong physically, spiritually, and in our family unit. So um, fall came. And time went on and we, we, we weren't seeing that special thing. And I think we began to focus on, you know, other things and just doing life in our every day. And um, December 10th came and uh, a phone call came from a doctor. He had had um, a little lump removed from his neck and the doctor announced to him on his birthday, December 10th, that um, he had fourth stage cancer and was terminal. Um, and I remember he called me on the phone and told me that while I was on the phone. And by the time I came home, we both knew that this is the thing that, that we had been waiting for. And, um, but I also know that because God had told us that we were going to be entering a new season, we were ready to focus on God at that time. And I remember him saying to me, all the prayers we've ever prayed are going to be answered in this season. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I do want to share with you, cancer is so difficult and something that touches the vast majority of people's lives. And um, it's not to be taken lightly. And so I don't want anybody listening to this podcast who's, who's going through cancer themselves or, or, or a caretaker of someone who has cancer, that we weren't, we weren't cheering and saying, here we go, we're excited. It was a very, very difficult time. But what I do want to tell you is that the Holy Spirit um, was a buffer for our hearts and our minds in that season. Um, it was difficult. Um, terminal cancer is huge. So right from the get-go, you know, I could look at him on any given day and say, okay, this is not going to be forever um, unless there's a miracle. Um, so we uh, jumped in with all kinds of treatment. Some of it was holistic um, and integrative. And we did surgeries. We did clinical trials. We did all kinds of things. We were told six months at the time. Um, and at the time, FCA came to us and said, we want to honor you. Um, we want you to be on staff with us. We want you to be insured and taken care of. But we really think that it may be best to take a step back from ministry and focus on your family. There was a lot going on at that time. And I remember saying to him, what do you want, Joe? What do you want to do? What, what are your, is, is on your heart? And he said, Laura, I just want to do ministry. Mm. So at that time, the girls and I, we said, we're a team. We're committed to you in every way. We're going to do whatever it takes for you to minister in this season of life. So um, we did not get six months. We got two and a half years, mm. which um, mm. two and if somebody had told me two and a half years at the beginning, um, that would have felt like too small for me. But mm. because it was far beyond the six months we thought we were going to get, um, mm. it was 
it was a gift. It was mm. a gift. And every day in that time period, of course, that you have children is a day that your children are older and a right. day that, that they have in their, in their memory bank. So um, we were really thankful for that time. Now I've heard people say, uh, if you, if you knew you were going to die in a week, how would you use your week differently? You were given that in a sense, that same kind of window, mm -hmm. Joe now had a, there was a time limit that he was more aware of. What, how did that affect how he shifted his attention in ministry, mm -hmm. but also balancing your family? Like now, now you're racing against a clock in it per se. Mm -hmm. Well, we lived our life very differently. Um, there were some relationships in our life that had, um, for all intents and purposes ended, and we were able to, um, go back and reestablish those relationships with family and with friends. And so that was the part of God answering all the prayers that we had had for those years. Mm -hmm. Um, all the things that seemed really vital, you know, everything being clean, everything, you know, being a certain way, um, even having the kids go to bed on time, like all those things, like all bets were off, you know, not worried about those things anymore. And I tell you, even for myself, you know, looking back on my own self as a wife and in, a, in my marriage, the things that maybe irritated me or the things that I really needed help with or wanted him to get accomplished, those were not important to me anymore. And uh, really looking back now, those were time, those two and a half years were like deep love for us mm -hmm. um, and a deep emotional connection for us. So every day was very intentional. Um, we took more pictures. We spent more time together. We played more games. We got together with family much more often. Uh, and ev so everything was very, very intentional. Um, so Christ in the center. So uh, my husband led really, really well. Um, and although we weren't the most organized family in every single way, we um, built God into our lives in a very intentional, structured, strong way. So, so if we think about a wheel and, and um, the center of a wheel and then all the spokes going out of it, um, when God is in the center and everything is in the wheel around it, cancer's in the wheel, school's in the wheel, friends are in the wheel, church is in the wheel, um, you know, your, your unmowed lawn is in the wheel, your unwashed dishes are in the wheel. Everything is in balance because Christ is in the center. And the thing about Christ is he doesn't move, never mm. moves. And he also remains the same every day of our lives. Now take any one of those things I just spoke about and throw it in the center. Let's, you know, pick something easy, dirty dishes, throw it in the center. You know, when you're obsessing about dirty dishes and they're not done, it, like your whole world can seem out of balance. Can you imagine throwing cancer in the center right. and, you know, impending death and everything seemed wobbly. So um, my husband would constantly say Christ in the center, Christ in the center. And we taught our children that we taught our friends that um, we lived that. And every moment that didn't seem quite right. We would step back and verbally say to ourselves, is Christ in the center? And almost every time that, it, that you know, it, it didn't seem stable, we could easily see, no, he wasn't. And so we put him right back in the center. And then that's how we lived in a terminal place. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, even with this analogy of the wheel and your hashtag Christ in the center, and I'm seeing that your husband is the one who is uh, speaking this out in this time where he's going through this significant uh, challenge in his life. And what a, um, I don't know, what a life forming. I can, I can see why your daughter was like, I want to marry someone who knew my dad right like and i think mm -hmm. you shared that with me earlier like i want to marry someone who knew my dad because my dad was such an amazing man he took our whole family and brought us to this place where we would be um christ in the center and and looking at that in the middle of of the crazy and his or not the crazy but the challenge that he was going through and when you were speaking a couple quite a few times you used the word intentional and that word intentional was going through my heart too but sometimes we we say we want to be so intentional about the things that need to be done in life right like this needs to be done that needs to be done that needs to be done but when you have something like this happen you're intentional about what really matters right and putting christ in the center does put all those priorities together the dishes are still there mm -hmm. but your intentionality shifts to um things that are eternal 
and things mm. that are other people and the things that are really going to last. So, wow, I'm just mm. uh, I'm pretty uh, blown away at the faith that was lived out in your home uh, while dealing with uh, a challenge. And, and I do want to say that those times are scary mm-hmm. and those times are hard. And there was lots of tears and um, lots of very difficult days. Um, so again, I never want to, um, you know, um, not speak of those things, but that God carried us, you know, God Amen. carried us through all of those things in a way that we were able to find joy Amen. You know, in the everyday. And I will say too, that you forfeit quite a bit, um, when you have cancer and you have sickness and you have those huge trials that take a lot of work to overcome. But um, interestingly, you know, as you forfeit those things, looking back, you find that those weren't really the things that were important mm-hmm. and um, that you reclaim those things at another time, mm-hmm. you know? So if you're facing those things right now and you're listening to this and you're thinking about all the things that you are forfeiting, um, you know, Christ in the center and mm-hmm. live in that place and trust that, that he will um, backfill your life at another time. I think it's beautiful how the Holy Spirit was preparing you and Joe Mm -hmm. for the new season, even though it didn't look like what you thought it would be. But I have to imagine hearing how you're, you're sharing about the two and a half years um, of walking through the cancer journey with him as a family, as a couple, as people in full-time ministry, the Holy Spirit how did he start to prepare you as you start the reality that Joe's life is about the transition to heaven? How did the Holy Spirit start to work in Joe for some closure and something must have ramped up in you at some point? Because when I met you, you are the FCA face mm-hmm. of surf and skate. So somewhere the hat changed from Joe to Laura. So how was the Holy Spirit in that transition, preparing you, you personally for the next uh, season of ministry? Hmm. Um, such a, such an interesting question. Cause as Joe and I were traveling this road, of course, we um, did not know the timeline. Right. Um, we didn't, uh, we did not know, um, you know, possibly would he be the one to survive? Would he be the one to make it? Um, I felt like at the time God was preparing my heart. Um, I was prepared for a miracle, but I also was prepared for the realistic um, challenges of such an illness and um, thinking about what it would look like for me to parent on my own, what it would look like for me to work on my own and to live on my own. And so, um, but interestingly, as we were moving along, Joe was doing ministry, I was working alongside of him, but we never spoke about who would take his place. Mm. And, um, I think speaking about those things, um, were, um, fearful to him, you know, looking back, I realize that now. And so I never said to him, I'm planning on taking your place. Um, Mm. I just thought that that was FCA's responsibility, you know? Um, and so that they would manage that, that they would take care of that. But now, you know, looking back, on, on how things went down, I realized that, that the more sick he became, the more I stepped in and the more I did. So um, that kind of takes us up to the summer of 2013. Um, we had, uh, you know, camps are full season for us. That's a summer season. That's a time when surfers are out, we can do more ministry. And so we had not only made it six months, we had made it through the two and a half years. So here we are in the June, June of 2013. And in my mind, in the deal that I had made with God is if, if people signed up for camp, then he was doing camp and we are going to make it through. And so um, it was Father's Day of 2013 and he began to have some physical issues that he couldn't overcome and he was hospitalized. And that was, um, I think I was almost surprised even though we had been living in this terminal time and we had done so much around cancer care. Um, I was a little taken back, but we were like, no, let's just move forward. Let's, let's keep doing it. I mean, the girls and I are a team and and we can do it. So um, as time went on, there was less and less that he could do. And I kept raising my hand and I was like, 
I'll take care of that. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. So he went to the very first day of an eight-week season of camp, and he never went back. So I went to day one with him. I went to day two. I went to day three. I went to the first week, the second week, the third week. He was hospitalized. And the fourth week, he came home on hospice. And now when I tell my story, like if I was walking alongside of another woman in this process, I'd be tapping her on the shoulder saying, honey, you need to sit down. Like you need to call it quits. You need to let people know that it's over. And so, um, but for some reason, it did not occur to me to do any of those things. And um, there certainly were people in my life that cheered me on, but there were other people that said, this is too much. Let's not do this. So the fourth week he came home on hospice and we were going back and forth and doing camp and coming home and being with him. And at that point um, he had lost his mental capacity and he didn't know that we were, you know, doing camp any longer, but we realized in that time period that if we brought people into the house and we stood him up on his feet, that he would hug them. So all the things that were, were deep inside of him, he was still able to give. And so I do want to want to just speak to that for a minute. Um, if you, if you are with a loved one who's passing away, that there's a precious part about caring for people in life and supporting them to live well, but there's a day and a tide that turns when you know that that person will no longer, um, be living and that now you are helping them to leave the earth well and with grace and God met us in those time in that time and in those places and so um joe went to be um with the lord went to heaven um on sunday night four weeks in um at 6 30 at night and then the girls and i went to camp the next morning and i remember standing up and i'm like my name is lauren Matera. i'm the camp director and so a couple things in that time and space i woke up that morning and uh, my girls were with me in the house and I heard a voice and that voice said, don't even try. Nothing good will ever happen in your life again. Mm. And that's all I needed to say. Mm. Oh no, that mm. is not the voice of my God in the center. Mm. He does not speak to me that way. Mm. And um, game on, mm. you know, the challenge of no, no, that's not going to happen. Mm. There's good ahead. And the only way I'm going to know it is if I step out. Mm. And then there was also a piece in me. And, and I do know that God prepared me for this. Um, I love, you know, doing women's ministry and I love being a part of uh, caring for other women. But there was a piece of me, this very ordinary girl, the invisible girl with great challenges. And I thought to myself, if I stand up this ordinary girl and people can see that I'm doing it, they'll believe they can do it too. Yep. And so, um, you know, in that space, taking my girls with me, um, you know, again, Satan didn't want to just take me down. He wanted yep. to take my whole family down. Yep. And I believe on that day that he thought he won. Yeah. But um, God wins, right? We're going to go Amen. back to that hashtag that I started with, God wins. And I knew my God um, was winning. Amen. And so winning was showing up and um, saying, you know, here, here we are. We're going to continue mm. to minister to people for four weeks. I also had a team of kids that were serving with me. Mm -hmm. And I wanted them to see God win that summer. And I mm. knew that if we quit, they would always forever be on the losing mm. team. Mm. And so... Um, uh, there we were. So we mm. finished off our summer and I called up FCA and, you know, they hired me on for the summer. And I said, you know, I, I guess I'm done here. And I, I worked for an extraordinary director and he said, you've already done it. Why don't you do it again? Mm. And uh, he was one of the only voices um, who was saying, you can do it. And so I, I said, I'm going to go in the direction of the voice that's speaking God wins. And uh, mm. FCA hired Amen. me full time and they trained an, an ordinary person to do some really extraordinary things. So here we are. Wow. Wow. I have a question for you. Um, first of all, thank you for sharing, uh, you know, so openly about such a painful place in your life. Uh, it touches my heart mm. and I know that many other people are, are touched too. So thank you. 
it's hard. It's a hard, hard journey. And I appreciate you sharing. You started out uh, your story by identifying the fact that you were this ordinary girl, right? But that you mm -hmm. knew that you were set apart for a reason. And I guess my question is, um, is this a moment where you were like, this is this is what I was set apart for? Or do you think you already had that way back? Like when you got married, I was set apart for this moment and something's gonna come from it. Or do you feel like something just kind of rose up in you in this moment and said, kind of like an Esther moment, like this is the moment I was mm. you know, called for. What do you think? Yeah. When, when was that moment that you were kind of like, this is it? Um, I don't know when that moment was, Laura. Like even looking back on, on the whole story, I don't know when that moment was, but I can say this, that I, I do know that I was set apart mm -hmm. um, and that in some way I was different. But I also felt like in that time period and not so much now, it's different now because my needs are different now. They're not as desperate, but in that desperate place, it was almost like God was whispering in my ear and telling me what to do. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't like this choice versus this choice. It was mm -hmm. just, you know, walking forward, standing up, moving ahead um, and trusting God um, in each in each and every step. Now, I could not have imagined, again, the life I'm living eight years later. It's not like I had this grand plan and here eight years yep. later, I'm like, look at me. Yep. The plan I made unfolded yep. wasn't like that you know, at all. Um, certainly God met us at every place and provided for every one of my needs in a very perfect way. So I also want to say this, that um, at the beginning, I can remember being at my first FCA training and I was sitting there just saying to myself over and over and over again, I'm only here because he isn't. I'm only here because he isn't. All these people know I'm only here because he isn't. And Wow. Um, that was a hard time. And, um, so I had to move past that place because if I stayed there, then I would never have any strength on, on my own. Um, and so, you know, having to kind of flip the script. So I constantly say to people, you've got to flip the script in your mind. Um, and I think, um, when it comes to loss, I can only speak to my own loss, not to the loss of others, because I've, I've, I've had one loss, one big loss, but I haven't experienced all losses. Um, is that I think sometimes we tend to think, here I am in this loss, but if I hadn't lost, it would look like this. But if I hadn't lost, it would look like this. And um, early on, I stood completely in the loss. No looking back saying this is what it could have been. So just as an example, um, uh, my, my wedding anniversary is in July. And somebody said to me this year and, and the other years, well, how many years would you have been married? I was married 18 years. Mm, mm. And that is the number that God gave us. Mm, it's not mm -hmm. how many would we have been married. Yes. Because I am not living God's plan B. Yes. He was not surprised that Joe went home to be with him. I yes. am living God's plan A. Mm -hmm. I was married 18 years and I've been on my own for eight. Mm -hmm. And so those are hard things to say. Mm -hmm. um, I've been alone eight. Um, another thing I would very often say to my girls, instead of saying, I wish your dad was here, I would always say, daddy would have loved to be here. Mm. If I wished he was here, then I would be saying in some way, what was God thinking? Mm -hmm, but if mm -hmm. I say he would have loved to be here, then I'm speaking to his desire yes, heart, to be yeah. his yes. girls in that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I really encourage you to look at, at your script and what you're saying in any situation that you're in as a listener and say, wow, what does it look like to look into God's word and flip this yes. script and then stick with it? Stick with yes, it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. So you're mentioning you're living God's plan A at this point. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, we can't end this podcast at all without hearing what is God doing in FCA surf and skate now, because it's mm -hmm. ocean city is not where it's all at. It's, it's all over the place. So can, what can you share now um, to kind of help us wrap up this podcast of what is God, what did God see? 
today would look like? Mm. So exciting. So, you know, we're going back to opportunity. I consider myself an opportunity provider. You know, I give people opportunity to invest in ministry. I give people opportunity to share the gospel, to step into a full-time ministry role, to be a volunteer in the ministry. And I love what we do through Surf and Skate. And I loved, I wanted to share that. And so um, I first, at first thought when I came into FCA that um, my gifting was probably limited because I'm pretty ordinary, right? And so I said, I'm just going to do the training and I'm going to maintain the ministry that exists because it was great. We were making an impact in our community. People were coming to Christ. We were seeing lives change. Um, but in the process, um, ministry grew. Um, since uh, in that eight years, our area has grown. We've hired area representatives in, the, in to serve in all sports. Um, and we've also uh, moved into skate camps and in year-round skate ministry in our community, you know, utilizing that skate park. And we've also done inner city surf ministry. So hired an inner city surf director in Atlantic city to minister to kids and give them a water experience they wouldn't normally have. Mm. So, so mm. uniquely too in FCA, um, we do all of our ministry out in public. And so not only are we ministering to, um, to youth, we're ministering to their families and mm -hmm. we're ministering to everyone, everybody that's, you know, in the realm of where we are. But about four years ago, FCA began to visit us. People would come out from Kansas city um, and visit with us and see what we were doing. And, and it was growing. And also as you guys could see here, we are in the Olympic time, right? We've just come through watching the Olympics and skateboarding and surfing are not only you know, prominent sports mm. in the Olympics, but in all the ads and uh, yeah, it's great wow. fun to watch all of that. And so yeah. now um, FCA tagline, every, every sport, every athlete, but then they quickly realized, wait a minute, we're every ball sport, you know, and yeah. every ball sport athlete. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so what does it look like to move into motor sports, to move into all abilities, to move into action sports? And so here they are moving into these areas and ministering to more um, athletes. So that gives me the opportunity to um, create relationships with action, action sports ministries all over the globe, and then to um, cast vision with FCA staff presently in all um, areas to um, look at what it will mean for them to build out skate ministry, surf ministry, uh, skiing and snowboarding ministry, wakeboarding ministry, rock climbing ministry. And so that's going to be a little bit of my role moving into this next decade. And so um, I love the way that God has, you know, taken an ordinary fifties, you know, kind of living <laughs> on my own um, to uh, just spearhead this role. But, you know, in, in closing, I just want to share like a vision that God gave me um, in the, in the last season before we started summer. And I don't know if you've ever gone to like a large event, maybe a sporting event or um, a big theater event and, and you hold the door open for somebody. And then that person walks through, doesn't even look at you. And then all of a sudden you realize a couple more people walk through. And then there's that awkward moment where you're like, thinking, well, how many people are going to walk through before I get to walk through, right? Mm. But then, you know, there's that person who maybe jumps in, closes the door really quick and, and runs, you know, or there's also that person who just kind of like leans into that role, opens the door wide with a smile and lets as many people walk through as possible. And God spoke to me in that vision and said, Laura, you're a door holder. You're a door mm. holder. And um, I was like, oh, God, thank you for giving me an ordinary role. But one, where I get to see extraordinary people enter into the gifting that you have mm. given them and work full time to minister um, in their communities, in the places that you've placed them, in the sports that they have passion for. And so um, here I am, a door holder and um, blessed to be and excited to see um, the next decade unfold. And I'm looking forward to my family continuing to grow and uh, uh, so I just want to, you know, finish hashtag joy. It took uh -huh. years. I'm going to be honest with, you know, if there's listeners who say, I don't have it. I don't have joy. I can't find it. Mm. Um, it took years for me to get my full joy back and say, hashtag mm -hmm. joy. I, I have that joy. You know, God has mm. released me and I opened up 
space in my heart for that joy. Mm -hmm. And so um, thank you very much for letting me share and uh, be a part of what you all are doing. Well, Laura, as we wrap up, I have a couple of things on my heart super quick. The Our listeners can't see what we can see because we're doing this via <laughs> Zoom, right? And they're getting the audio. But if they could see what we could see, we see uh, a door holder, right? Sitting on a Zoom platform with a great big J-O-Y behind, right behind her her head <laughs> on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Right? You have it hanging on your walls. You have made your home a place of joy. The Lord has restored your home mm-hmm. to be a place of joy mm-hmm. in the, in this season where you're serving him in this unexpected way, a place that you didn't think you were going to be serving him in this way, in this capacity. But God has certainly um, brought beauty from ashes and, and done a tremendous work in your life, in your family, in your heart, and clearly in the ministry that he entrusted to Joe and to you so many mm-hmm. years ago. So I am I am encouraged and truly blessed by hearing your story. Um, thank you for sharing with us today. I know that, uh, you know, as we leave this place and we continue to pray for FCA, I love the all sports, all yes. athletes, mm-hmm. right? Because surf and who knows what the next wave of, of sports mm-hmm. are that, that are going to be uh, places where people can learn about the gospel. So we just want to thank you for being here with us today. Um, thanks for sharing from your heart and, you know, know that we're praying for you and your family and the ministry that God has given to you. I appreciate that. Thank you. You are very welcome. So for our listeners, if you, um, yeah, wow, I know, I know you've been blessed by this podcast and I know that there are people in your life um, who maybe need to be encouraged by some of the things that Laura has shared with us today. You're welcome to share this with a friend. Please share it with a friend. Um, We're so grateful for what God is doing, the way that he is restoring people and and giving us um, the strength to hold on in the places that he has called us to hold on. Mm -hmm. So thanks for being a part uh, today. We're grateful for your presence here as we have had this conversation. And we just uh, pray for you and ask that God will continue to bless you all as you have been so faithful and such an encouragement to us as well. So God bless you. Have a great day. We can't wait to talk to you again next Monday. That's right. Uh, <laughs> take care and we'll see you then. Thanks everybody. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember you were created for more. 